1: This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk.
0: Back by popular demand, we're happy to have with us a man who's quite famous, a man who has been a NASA astronaut. His name is William C. Gregory. And we also have with us today the local chairman of the board of directors, for the Challenger Learning Center in Lockport, New York, Stephen A. Cotton. To tell you a little bit about our guest, Bill Gregory, 62 years old, is from Lockport, New York. Now we're taping him a couple thousand miles away by phone. Uh, He was a test pilot, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Air Force, and um, he's a retired astronaut. A little bit about his NASA career. Selected by NASA in January 1990, Gregory became an astronaut in July 91. Gregory's technical assignments included shuttle, avionics, integration, laboratory, sail, astronaut office representative for landing rollout, T-38 flying safety, Kennedy Space Center, astronaut support personnel, spacecraft communicator, and mission control astronaut, office representative for rendezvous and proximity operations and spacecraft operation branch chief really a tremendous career and steve cotton the chairman of the board of the Challenger learning center and that's in orleans niagara and erie counties he's been involved as chairman of the board for the past three years he received a ab in physics and education from hamilton college in clinton new york and a ms in Applied geophysics from the Henry Crum School of Mines, Columbia University, in New York City. Our guest today on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. Let's talk about young people learning of space travel. Why is that important?
1: Well, uh, I'll, I'll start off. The uh, I think one of the most important things about space travel for the young kids is that the fact that we're having this resurgence coming up here as we've had the space station up on orbit for many years but now we're approaching where we're going to start flying the orion and uh launched by the sls and we're going to start moving towards heading back to the moon after uh, half a century
0: very good uh, Steve, uh, from your perspective, why is it important uh, for young people to learn to space
2: travel? Well, I think it's just an, an example of the kind of uh, initiative that this country can display when it's motivated, and also it gives a. You know, when you think about space travel, obviously you think of people like Bill going up in space, and you know that's, but that's just one person or a s- small number of people. But behind those individuals who are fortunate enough to get actually get into space, there are thousands of other people supporting them in various professions. Uh, <clears throat> and so I think it's important for young people to recognize that, you know, it's not just the people that get the publicity and uh, that are doing things. They Those people that get the highest profile, uh, and very worthy of that, by the way, but are supported by hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. And those can be very important careers and very lucrative and very rewarding careers for young people, and they should be aware of that.
1: Yeah, I, I think the word rewarding was the one that I was waiting to hear from you because I can promise you, everybody that I know that worked on those teams, as far as they were as far as they were concerned, a, a bit of them want on, on every single one of those missions, and without a doubt, they understand that. They're hugely important. And right down to I'm, I met people who worked on the sheet metal of the air conditioning systems at the Kennedy Space Center. And they felt like they were part of the team, even though they were repairing air conditioning. They were repairing air conditioning in the buildings where mission control was, the launch control center. And they felt like they were contributing just as much as everybody.
0: Very good. Um, if somebody would like to give a check, uh, Steve, for the Challenger Learning Center, if it's a dollar or a thousand dollars for young people to learn about space exploration, where should they
2: send a check? Uh, they could contribute to the Challenger Learning Center of Orleans, Niagara, and Erie counties, or O-N-E. And uh, we are at 160 Washburn Street in Lockport. New York. And the zip code there is 14094.
0: Good. We encourage all our listeners to give and to give generously. Let's talk about the overall importance of space exploration, um, how it helps our uh, knowledge of technology and um, the education that's involved in this, how it improves our society. Let's talk about the importance of space exploration. Bill?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. Is everyone thinks of Tang and Velcro coming out of the space program, and neither of them came out of the space program. But what has come out of the space program is all of the technology and the microprocessors. So when you look at your digital watch, when you pick up your iPhone, what I can promise you is Steve Jobs did not come up with that technology. Steve Jobs took the technology it came out of the space program and the black budgets of the the military where this miniaturization and optimization came from. And he took that technology and adapted it for personal use. But your laptop, your watch, your calculators, your iPod, your iPhones, all of that stuff is possible because of the space program, and the real reason is it cost on the space shuttle $10,000 per pound to get something into orbit. So it had to be small, compact, and it had to be reliable.
2: Very good. So, I uh, The other advantage, I think, is the space program is we think about uh, manned space missions, but the unmanned missions that we've sent uh, to explore the other planets in the solar system, uh, I think that's important to help us understand where we came from and the evolution of our solar system. Uh, it contributes to a lot of uh, understanding of uh, the way things work, the uh, uh, the different phenomena that are in space, and, and I think it builds an understanding and uh, an appreciation for our, our role here, our limited role here uh, in the universe, but uh, just the... Uh, Knowledge that we gain by going out and looking beyond our own planet, I think is very important for us as a um, as a species, just to understand how things uh, have evolved over time.
0: Very good. We're learning it, a great... It, yes, go ahead, Bill.
1: I was going to say, absolutely. It wasn't that long ago we didn't know what a black hole was. Now we actually have a photograph of one. It's it, the, the things that have evolved, It's just amazing to me in the last 20 years.
0: We're learning a great deal from a famous NASA astronaut, Bill Gregory. And also, we have with us in Western New York here in the studio the chairman of the board of the Challenger Learning Center, Stephen Cotton. If you're listening in Buffalo, Toronto, or Washington, D.C., with a 50,000 watts clear channel power blanketing 17 states and much of Canada, Drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. I'd like to thank those who have called regarding our recent guest, Andy Golombiowski with the Polish-American Congress, Sheriff Tim Howard, and Erie County Clerk Mickey Kearns. Coming up, Representative Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin and Harold Beznos, who's leading the fight against anti-Semitism, from Michigan. We have a plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions and the Ampol legal has been writing about Polish American traditions and events for over fifty years. News and features from a Polish American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the AMPOL Legal. The AMPOL Legal is available in many tops and Wagman stores for home delivery. Call 716-835-9454, that's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. A little bit more information about Bill Gregory, NASA astronaut. He flew on STS-67 in 1995 and has logged 400 hours in space. Gregory retired from the Air Force and left NASA. In ninety-nine. He currently serves as vice president of business development for Qualtech Inc. in Tempe, Arizona. A little more information about Steve Cotton. Following five years of teaching physics at both high school and college levels, he enjoyed a 22 career year career with Console Energy, advancing in Console's RD department from geophysicist to director of the mining section, and finally serving as maintenance systems managers for Consul's IT department, all on the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. Let's talk about if we should go to the moon again. Uh, This was an amazing uh, accomplishment, and um, for decades now we haven't done it. So should we, again, go to the moon? Bill Gregory.
1: Absolutely. There's no question about it. Uh, for two reasons. We only saw a very small portion of it, didn't see the poles, didn't see the backside of the moon. But from an operator, from an astronaut standpoint, it's essential. We have to go to the moon to test out the new equipment. When we travel to Mars, there is a 20-minute time of travel for communications. So in other words, you can't depend on mission control because you can't say, Houston, we've got a problem, and then wait 40 minutes for the reply back. Go ahead. So the, the equipment that we use has got to be totally self-reliant. The astronauts are on their own. You need uh, vehicle health management where the, the, the computers on board diagnose the problems unlike the space shuttle that I flew and the space station where you're in constant communication and anything, anytime something happened, someone on the ground was instantly analyze it and through the, the flight director and through the Capcom, you would instantly have communication back and forth. Those days are over when we're talking about going to Mars.
0: Steve?
2: Well, another aspect of that, and I think Bill alluded to, To that earlier was that the cost of getting materials into space from the surface of the earth is uh, very expensive and could be prohibitive and so as we go to the moon we need to look there's been a lot of discussion about finding resources that could be mined or excavated uh, and possibly processed and used um, to support missions that go beyond the moon and as Bill's alluded to Uh, we need to learn about how to do that as we go forward into space. So whether uh, we learn how to mine under a lower gravity regime on the moon uh, to get, say, just even something as simple as water that could then be used uh, to support life and possibly as a fuel if you can break it uh, to get the hydrogen out of it. Uh, And then as you go forward, uh, that same sort of technology can be used if we went – and when we go to Mars to support life and uh, colonization or development of a space station, a, a long, persistent presence on Mars. And that's vital, too. So the, the going to the moon again is a, a necessary step for our further exploration of space, which I think is going to be valuable for everyone in the long run.
0: Let's uh, talk about teaching young people about space travel, and that's what the Challenger Learning Centers throughout the United States try to do with flight simulators and uh, educational programs. Uh, Let's let's talk about what these young people can learn about outer space. Bill?
1: The Challenger Space Centers are just outstanding because it's a hand-on experience. You're not just hearing about things you're, you're actually doing. You learn about teamwork. You learn about process. There are displays where you can see artifacts from space. I know in, in Lockport, some of my equipment is on display. One of my flight suits is on display. And I think it's a, just a, a total unique experience for kids. And it, it gets them away from something electronic uh, where they're just watching a picture or a video, and instead they gain hands-on experience and I, I think they've all found it's it's rewarding. And it's, it's also used for team building for adults as well. It's not just a great experience for kids, it's a great experience for adults as well.
2: Steve? So, I agree. Uh, the, the Challenger Learning Centers, and there are 44 of them nationwide, all have this common basis of Uh, using space exploration as a theme for uh, enrichment activities that can benefit not only the students in the community but the uh, others as well as Bill said adults and the message that we try to convey is that that of opportunity Uh, opportunity uh, through career paths the application of all the sciences and mathematics and engineering and as uh, people whether students or adults uh, community groups of all types come into a Challenger Learning Center and have this hands-on immersive experience they touch and employ a, a lot of different uh, skills and uh, disciplines and that's the exposure I think that means a lot to, um, to children especially to see how these things can be applied and used Uh, to accomplish things. Uh, So that's that. And as Bill mentioned, teamwork. There's also communication, problem-solving involved with executing the simulated space mission. So it's really not just STEM education, but it's really a universal uh, demonstration of what can be done and should be done as we go forward as a society.
0: Let's talk about what we have learned in the United States from those who've traveled to the moon. If you could tell us um, other specific examples of the learning curve that was developed from travel to the moon. Bill?
1: Well, of course, it was 50 years ago, and and amazingly they went with one inertial unit on uh, on the Apollo spacecraft. We had three on board the space shuttle, and, you know, it was the effort that made the difference. It was the commitment of the, of the United States of America to push for that goal. And, and the goal was the forcing function that forced the United States to, to do the work and come up with the technology to make it all happen. And certainly there were setbacks. And, and you know, that's a learning experience, too, the Apollo 1 fire Sometimes you, you have to have small disasters to, to make you start realizing that you need to take a totally different approach. And I really think that the enthusiasm, and it didn't just foster itself or fester itself in the United States of America. This is something that had the entire world's attention, and you'll notice that the words on the plaque that Neil and Buzz left on the moon, nowhere on the plaque does it say the United States. It says that we came from Earth in peace. We as as a one world. And I think this is something that, you know, the United States needs to lead the way. We always have. I think that uh, it's a very worthy expenditure. And I, I know that most people are confused, and they, they think, or they've got a misconception, and they think a lot of money is spent on the space program, and during the first few years of Apollo, yeah, it, it was about 6% of the budget, but right now, it's like 0.5, 0.6. so half a percent of the budget, and so this is something that's extremely worthy. Mankind will benefit as it did 50 years ago.
0: Steve, talk about, please, uh, what we learned from space travel and, again, where people could send checks to the Challenger Learning Center.
2: Well, i uh, thinking back last month on the 50th anniversary, I can remember very distinctly where I was when uh, Neil Armstrong first stepped on the moon. I was in a position where I could watch him on television and look up in the sky and see the almost full moon. And I just marveled the fact that someone was up there 225,000 miles away doing you know performing that tremendous feat for us uh, for mankind as he said um, the things that we need to learn I think are the value of cooperation and teamwork and dedication and uh, as Bill provided mentioned not in this word but he used perseverance if you have a goal, it's a worthy goal, you can s- stay with it and work to that end. And if it's a worthy goal, you can build the teams and get the support for that. And so I think that's the, probably the major lesson that we've learned from going to the moon is what you can do when people and uh, can pull together and work to a common goal. Um, and it's a very rewarding su- situation. Uh, In Lockport, there's been a very dedicated group of people that have worked for over 10 years uh, to get a uh, Challenger Learning Center constructed to share this kind of thing with the community. Um, So, we've been able to repurpose uh, an old industrial facility in Lockport, uh, kind of a brownfield type of exploration, exploitation. Uh, So, there's been a fair amount of uh, capital put into this facility. Uh, to repurpose and uh, this facility right in downtown Lockport for the purpose of benefiting for the community. So if you'd like to contribute to that, again, it's the Challenger Learning Center of Orleans, Niagara, and Erie Counties. That's our three-county service area. We're in Lockport, New York, uh, 160 Washburn Street. Uh, zip code is 14094. Uh, We also have a website, which we encourage everyone to see. It's uh, clclockport.org. Obviously, that stands stands for Challenger Learning Center in Lockport, Brian. That's right. We're learning a great
0: deal about the importance of space travel today from famous NASA astronaut Bill Gregory, and we also have the local man where we taped this program who's in charge of the Challenger Learning Center In Lockport, New York, Steve Cotton. If you're listening in Lockport or in Michigan or northern Florida, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. And we always greet cards and letters from our European and Canadian listeners as this station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. A little bit more information about bill gregory nasa astronaut he served as the sts sixty seven pilot on the seven-person astronomical research mission aboard the space shuttle endeavor launching from the kennedy space center in ninety five and landing at edwards air force base the crew established a new mission duration record of sixteen days, fifteen hours, eight minutes, and forty-six seconds, while completing two hundred and sixty-two orbits and traveling nearly seven million miles. Amazing. A little bit more information with Steve Cotton while with Console. Steve Cotton contributed to development and implementation of technology and methods for coal seam characterization, coal seam degasification, Coal mine ground control, evaluation of the environmental effects of mining, rapid long wall entry development, and improved equipment maintenance practices. Let's talk about these Challenger Learning Centers. Why is it important to have these regional CLC or Challenger Learning Centers throughout the United States? Uh, Bill Gregory.
1: Well, I think for you know there's a couple of reasons, but number one is so that everyone remembers the loss of Challenger and the effort. You know, Steve used the term perseverance. When when you see a program like Apollo with the Apollo 1 fire, when you see the loss of Challenger and later with the loss of Columbia, my friends, it's a lesson in perseverance, but it's, it's also personal perseverance. You can look at that program and you can say, well, if they could pick up the pieces and, and move ahead and be successful, so can I when I have a setback. And so you've, you've got that perspective of keeping the memory alive of the crew. But in addition to that, of course, it gives the STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, it gives that impetus to motivate kids to go ahead and try harder, do more in math. A lot of kids kind of shy away from math these days. And there's also technology fields you don't have to go to college for. We're we're experiencing trades folks that are desperately needed in the the fields of electronics like TV and stereo repair. This is a dying breed. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in electronics to contribute to society. And I think that these Challenger Centers, when you get this hands-on experience, it motivates the kids to head in that direction, to say, yeah, I can do this. I want to be part of technology.
0: Very good. Uh, Again, if somebody wants to write a check and send it, where they should send it for the Challenger Learning Center, Steve Cotton.
2: Uh, Challenger Learning Center in lockport and the address is 160 washburn street and the zip code that's lockport new york and the zip code is 14094 brian
0: Thank you, Steve. And again, we've learned so much. Backed by popular demand, NASA astronaut William G. Gregory, and we taped him uh, by telephone because he's a few thousand miles west of Buffalo, New York, and he's a Lockport native, and we're very honored to have him again with us. We encourage all of our listeners to give and give generously to the Challenger Learning Center in Lockport, New York, where William G. Gregory, and Steve Cotton hail from. Also, special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for the last 15 years. Thank you for teaching us so much about space travel, William G. Gregory, and Stephen A. Cotton. Have a great week.
1: You've been listening to the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?